So I actually have shorts in the car, so if it gets much warmer, I'm wearing shorts. But they're stripes, so I won't be wearing the shirt. I'll be wearing my t-shirt, because stripes and I get made fun of stripes and plaids a lot. Hey, if you're new here this morning, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can keep one. If you forgot one, you can grab one and use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables around the room if you need that, because people tell me they need them. So, uh, if you are a parent of a high schooler or a junior higher, it's okay. It'll still be there when you... It's like, great, now I'm not getting notes at all. Uh, if you're a parent of a junior higher high schooler, next Sunday after second service, we're doing a parent meeting for you. So if you would like to come and find out what's going on for the rest of the year with the youth, you should come to that. Uh, so I was on the co-ed softball team, and we came in fourth out of five teams. But we went to the playoffs. But our mans, uh, they won their entire division. I, I was going to try and peel this off and put best co-ed team ever, but it wouldn't look great if I, if I did. But so there you go. And they got me a t-shirt, so I'm going to tell everybody I was on the team anyway. Yeah, that's how that works. Uh, if you want to be involved in our next service project, Community Partners in Caring has given us another person in town that uh, they're wheelchair-bound, they're elderly, and they have uh, a whole bunch of stuff that kind of needs to get done around their house. So if you would like to help out with that, we're going to tear down a couple sheds, move some stuff out, take some stuff to the dump, uh, help somebody who really needs it. There's a sign-up in the back. We need at least four guys, uh, three girls. And again, if you'd like to tear stuff up, this is just for you. And uh, it's June 19th, so sign up for that. And I think I got all my stuff except for, you know guys that uh, Memorial Day used to be called uh, Decoration Day? And they would go and they would take uh, decorations and they'd place them on fallen soldiers' graves and stuff. Uh, it used to be a very solemn holiday where people didn't really go and like, well, let's have a three-day barbecue and, and get lit. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it was a time where people took some reflection to think about what freedom has actually cost us. And so I would invite you maybe tomorrow, if you do have the day off, you're spending some time, just take a few moments and, and thank God for the people who gave their lives so that we can have the freedom that we have. Why don't you guys stand me? You're reading God's Word. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, and it says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Father, this morning we do ask that those things be true of us, that your grace would be with us, and that the fellowship we have not only with you, but each other would pull us closer to the people you call us to be. God, we thank you for the freedoms that we have in this country. And God, even though it came at enormous cost to many people, uh, we are those who benefit today from it. So help us to remember that as well. Thank you for being a God that has been good to us. Amen. Have a seat. You have your Bible, you open to Ephesians chapter 6. We are concluding the book today. Okay, for the four of you, you're really excited. That's wonderful. Uh, hope you made it through most of it. I'm going to read what our, our text for today that we're ending with, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, chapter 6, verse 21 says this. Uh, Tychicus, uh, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So I'm going to camp on four words that Paul kind of ends 
with. And then I will actually show you how these four words and the gospel have changed some people's lives. This morning, I may, this may be some hard words for some of you. I haven't done this in very long where I kind of beat you guys up for a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit of that. I think the ending of the book of Ephesians is Paul's summary of the gospel. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Now, the first thing he says is peace to the believers. If you are a believer, if you have given Christ your life, peace. Peace to you. I mean, that, that, is, that is just some beautiful words. If you're not a believer, I'm going to be very clear presently, there is no peace for you. You're welcome. Uh, that's how that works. Uh, you have set yourself up as an enemy of God. You have run. You have mocked. You have lived your life against His will. Whether you intentionally have done this or not, you have, you have made yourself an opponent to God, and that is not good. Opposition is not just active rebellion. Opposition is also passive indifference. And Paul says peace is for those who embrace Christ. And I say what I say with urgency and love for you. Uh, Many people are lazy and indifferent to the life that God calls us to. And it is amazing to me that the God of the universe who creates everything, including people, tolerates such insolence from his people. And because we are talking about a God who made the universe and made you to enjoy the universe by making you the way that he did. And rather than follow him, we become a people who have given God our middle finger and we think his throne would better suit us because we want to be God. We want to call what is sin and what is not and who is in and who is out. We want to say what is right and what is wrong. We want to rule over creation or at least our own lives without some God butting in, telling us what to do, judging our hearts and our actions. It is the clash of the titans. It is the war of the gods is what it is. Because when God invades your space, do you honor him or do you struggle against that in anger against him? Some people say, I really don't like it when you talk like this. Good, you shouldn't. You shouldn't like it when I talk like this. Every religion in the world will tell you that you are the answer to the problem. You are the solution. You are the hope. But you are not the hope. We are the desecration. We think the world is broken, but we're straight people. If people just did it just like us, then everything would be great. We think we can fix it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The whole point of Ephesians and the gospel is you don't even have boots. You don't have them. We have all sinned against God. And this is not my hellfire and brimstone sermon. I I do have some of those, but this is not it. But I am just kind of warming up. Uh, God is awesome. God is incredible. And he should be feared because that is the beginning of wisdom, respecting and honoring the one and only true God. And in America, the number one fear is public speaking. The number one fear. we're, We're afraid of that, of poverty and failure, but nobody fears God. I will tell you this, any man who drinks to excess sleeps with a woman that is not his wife, sleeps with any woman they are not married to, looks at a picture of a naked lady hoping to have sex with them, treats someone with judgment and contempt, that is rebellion. That is rebellion. We are rebels and it's fighting against God's will for human history. And if you say, I don't do any of that, I'm pretty good, well great, then you're prideful. That's what Satan got kicked out of heaven for. You're just like Satan, wonderful for you, that's great. Good people end up in hell. The issue is not morality, the issue is God. Any woman who is a gossip, a flirt, a slut, a nag, a coveter, who is obsessed with their own social appearance rather than God's, that equals rebellion. It is rebellion, fighting against God's will for human history. And the goal this morning is not judgment, the goal is conviction. Conviction is grace from God given to us to avoid judgment. 
And my tone of the things I say is not the issue. Your place before God is the issue. Worship is the issue. We worship our wallets and our stomachs and our sexuality and ourselves and our rights, and we mock God every day. And I do not want to finish this book of Ephesians after 19 weeks having you walk away and not hearing the truth. And you may not like me, you may not like the things I say, but great, you need to believe me. You need to believe me. You say, I don't like judgment. I don't like hell. Great, don't go there. I don't like Iowa. I lived there eight months. I'm never going back, all right? (laughs) If you don't want to go somewhere, change direction. Don't go there. God is not some neutered aromatherapy sky fairy that blesses what you want to do. There is a God who is true. And then there's a God that we all want to make up in our minds that's a little bit smaller than us. So when we want to take him on, we can win. And that is not peace. It is not peace. There is not peace for those who are enemies of God. But for those who are friends who have embraced Christ, peace. It's a great word. Paul says love. Love. Does God love you? Yes, God loves you. It is shocking and it's true. But if I just started talking about love, you'd be, oh, that's the mushy God. I like that guy. He's so nice. And, and of course he loves me. I'm so lovable. You know, I, I was voted most huggable in school. I have a, I'm good looking. I have a great personality. Of course God would love me. That's why I come out swinging with peace. You need to know God for peace. And then I'll talk about love because, you know. We're a society who loves the lovely. But the Bible says that God is a God who loves those who are not lovely. This is why I know man did not invent the scriptures. Because we would not have invented a God who is this holy and yet also this good. We cannot conceive of a God this good. God loves you passionately. But until you realize your condition before him, that whole love becomes meaningless. You are worse than you could ever possibly imagine. That's the truth. God's love is not a junior high love that's all awkward and weird. God's love is a love of action. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, declaring war on him, giving him the finger, Christ died for us. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God made us. We walk away. We try to become our own God. And God says, I love you. God stoops down in humility and comes to us in the person of Christ. We run. God pursues. This is great love. It is unequaled. It is unparalleled. It is unyielding. Jesus, our God, grows up in a dumpy little town, poor, with a mother who is probably called a slut, and a dad who is called an idiot for believing her when she said, God got me pregnant. His hometown treated him with dishonor. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. And yet what did we do to him? We killed him. You would think that after all the sin in the world and all the problems, God comes down. We would say, thank you. But we don't. Why? Because we didn't have peace with him. Is that because he wasn't extending peace to us? No. Jesus was humble. He was accessible. And we held on to our sin because we enjoy it more than we love our God, just like we still do today. Jesus beaten. He has spat upon the people he made, nail him to a Roman cross. The crowd yells, crucify. He is dying naked near death. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus cries out, forgive them. Forgive them. Seriously. I, if I was hanging on the cross at that point, I would say, smite them all. And I would come off that cross and I would show you my glory and you would be sorry. Not Jesus. John 19, 30, Jesus says, it is finished. The wage for sin that we have committed against God and each other. He pays for all of his people. 
Some of you think that God's a coward or that He's too nice or doesn't have the nuggets to deal with you. I will tell you this. If He is willing to... Cru- Thank you. If he is willing to crucify his own son, some words I just shouldn't say, but if he is willing to crucify his own son, he has the courage to deal with you swiftly and surely. What Jesus received is what we all should have received. We should have been beaten and mocked and despised. Our sin against God is that great. Because sin isn't just what we do, it is who we are. Our hearts are like a foul spring. And our, and our lives are like a spigot we stick on top of that foul spring and everything just comes out dirty water and our morality comes in and we try to be so good and polish our spigot but it doesn't change anything because our hearts are bad we need God to start over with us to renew us it starts with judgment for our sins at the cross and we cannot boast or brag because we didn't deserve it it's so weird that everybody on the planet believes that we deserve grace that God owes us this God owes us nothing but judgment when we rob Him of His glory, when we mock His goodness, abuse His creation and other people, even taking the body He gave us and we, to worship Him in and we defile it, the only thing left is either repentance or judgment because a sin against an eternal God is an eternal sin and either the eternal God pays it for you or you pay for it eternally. Jesus dies for our sin, rises again, gives us a new heart and a new life and a new future. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he has a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You and I would never do that for those who treat us the way that we treat God. And yet God is a God of peace and of love, and he offers that to us. God loves you. The next thing he talks about is faith. Faith. It's like we hear faith and we go, yeah, what do I got to do? Because we feel like we got to do something. So people get very moral. They give a lot of money. They go to church all the time, which you should go to church. It's great. But, you know, it's other people start believing in karma where you got to come back over and over again to kind of work it out and get it right so that, so that you're okay. Other people believe in purgatory. And they all have the same, this whole thing in common that we have somehow committed sins. We have offended something and we need to pay that something off. But again, they all think that people are the solution. And people are not the solution. People are the continuing problem. It's like trying to put a fire out with gasoline. Or trying, oh, someone's drowning. Let's dump some water on them. Like, that's going to help. Seriously, trying to cure people with people? Only God can take care of the sin. Only God is is big enough to remove our sin. And faith is trusting in Jesus and His work on the cross on our behalf. Yes, God offers peace to us. Yes, God loves you. What should that do in us? We should in turn trust Him, having faith. Some people think, well, I'm very smart. I can't believe in all this stuff that's that's in the Bible. If you hold this whole idea, you know, you're very smart or scientific method, then your faith actually becomes in your three-pound brain because everyone has faith in something. An atheistic scientist says, I believe in the scientific method and my mind. That's kind of a big assumption. I'll tell you why. If you say, I trust my mind using the scientific method, Okay, great. Can you prove it without using it? So well, I can't prove my mind without using my mind. Right. You have tremendous faith. You believe the three pounds of meat in your skull is the foundation for your whole world. That's big faith. I have sat down before and eaten three pounds of meat in one sitting. That's big faith. You can read all the religions and all the isms from Kant to Hegel to Kierkegaard to Bentham to Mills to early and late Wittgenstein to Leotard de Rorty to Foucault, and none of them tells you they can take away your sin and connect you to God. Nobody says, like Jesus says in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
None of them says that. And either your faith is in your teachers, your mind, your science, religious institutions, morality, everybody goes to heaven, no life after death, or your faith is in Christ and you trust Jesus. The Bible implores you, trust Jesus, have faith in Him. Try to find a teacher or a philosopher or a moral declarer who is more trustworthy than Christ. If a man tells you that he will die and rise from the dead and then actually does it, you should probably listen to him. You should probably listen. The essence of the Christian life is trusting Jesus, stopping trusting ourselves. This peace and love comes by faith. And if you are here and you are not a believer this morning, I would implore you, trust Christ. And the last word that Paul says is grace. Grace. And I think this is the best word. We all love grace. I like that word. Grace is a good word. We don't deserve grace. We don't merit grace. Everything is grace. Life with God is a gift. New life is a gift. Faith is a gift. Forgiveness of sins is a gift. God reserves for himself the title of unparalleled giver. God does not make you labor to get to him. He gets up and he comes to us. That is grace. If you look at it from the position of someone who is offended, someone, someone you love hates you and treats you with contempt all the time, goes against everything you stand for, yet you constantly reach out to them, that's grace. That's grace. Our God is full of grace. We receive so much grace that we take it for granted and think that it's because we're so good that God gives it to us. No, it's because He is so good. You are alive by grace. You have come here today by grace. You will leave this place and go home by grace. One day you will be with Christ by grace. God is giver. He is giver. And only the foolish, the stubborn, or the proud reject that gift. Paul says, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Love Jesus Lots of grace. You can be a freak or a nut job and a weirdo, and in the end, God will straighten it all out when you love Jesus. And we've got to get this understanding through our minds. We are saved by grace. We're to love Jesus with an undying love through good times and bad times. And I know some of you guys, because of some of the stuff in your past, it's like you can't believe what Jesus has done for you. And you love him so much because of this peace, love, faith, and grace and how it has changed you. You look in Scripture, and you read people like Paul, who did so much. Or you read like Peter and John, you're like, man, those guys are like rock stars, beaten and shipwrecked and homeless and left for dead in the open sea. You're like me, I'm pathetic. I watch TV and bounce checks. I wish I could just like be a roadie for one of those guys. That would be amazing. Do you know the book of Ephesians ends with this whole idea of the gospel and a guy that it transformed? This peace, love, faith, and grace? Because the point of Paul's life and the point of the church is the gospel and that it changes lives. Look at verse 21. Okay, Paul talks about a guy. His name is Tychicus. I know you think, poor guy. He's got a name. It sounds like he stutters, but he's a godly guy. Okay? Tychicus is a guy that if you can't relate to Paul, you can relate to Tychicus. Verse 21 says, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Tychicus is a guy that is very relevant to Element as a church. We need Tychicus. Paul writes a letter, gives it to Tychicus to take to Ephesus. If Tychicus didn't do his job, we wouldn't have Ephesians. So he does his job. He did the same thing with Colossians. We wouldn't have two books of the Bible if it wasn't for this guy. And it seems like Tychicus' big ministry is that he could walk. That's his ministry. Paul gave him a book. He took it where it was supposed to go. It's like if, if I gave you a book that said, take this to Santa Barbara. 
and it never made it there. And I say, what happened? You say, well, I got to San Ynez, and I got hungry, went to Maddie's Tavern, had a few beers, ended up at the Smearmint Rhino, and I lost Ephesians. You'd be like, that's terrible. Praise God for Tychicus. He simply does the job he was supposed to do. He may have been thinking the whole time, um, you know, I don't, I don't get beaten up like Paul. You know, I wish I could do something big. I'm just carrying these stupid scrolls around. No one ever tries to kill me. But we love Tychicus because we're still reading his mail. Peace, love, faith, grace. You may think you want to do something big. I'll tell you, just do something little, and you have no idea how big God's going to make it when you love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Open to Romans chapter 16. There are people all over the scriptures that are like this, that God changes with his peace, love, faith, and grace. Uh, there, there are lots of, of lists. I know if you read the New Testament, you get to some of these lists, and you're like, it reads like a Greek phone book. It makes no sense. That's okay. There are, these are hundreds of people that God has actually changed their lives with this peace, love, faith, and grace. You may, not, you may think, well, take a kiss. He's not really a big deal. He is in the Bible three times. Three times. It's better than us. I mean, seriously, that goes on the resume. I'm in the Bible as a professional walker. There you go. So I'm going to show you some people throughout Scripture that God changed with this peace, love, faith, and grace. Uh, I'll give you some lists, not all of them, because we'd be here forever. But these are young and old, slaves and free, uh, men and women. Romans 16 starts like this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. What's her ministry? Helping people. It's like totally generic. I help people. That's awesome. What a great ministry. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. So these are Bible teachers. They're husbands and wives. They evangelize. They actually train a guy named Apollos who becomes rumored to be one of the best preachers in the entire New Testament uh, in the early church. Uh, and they, what do they do? They have a little church in their home. They open their home in hospitality and invite people in. If you're opening your house, bringing people over, hosting a small group, huge ministry. Verse 5, greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. What's he do? He believed. Uh, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. What's her ministry? She works hard. At what? We don't know, but she works hard. She worked hard. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. What's their ministry? They can go to jail. You can go to jail. <laughs> now, their big ministry is that they're very faithful, and they went to jail for it. But see, even in jail, you can be faithful. Uh, greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apellus, tested and approved in Christ. And I read that, and I think, man, for Paul to say you're tested and approved in Christ, that's... That's deep water. Verse 10, greet those who belong to the household of Aristolobus. I'm going to read these really fast so you can't tell when I mumble it and screw it up. Uh, greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Again, working hard. My dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. I was a working hard people. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me too. Anybody know a mom like that? Who's just like a mom, a mom to everybody in, in your whole Neighborhood, all your friends come over. We want to go to so-and-so's house. They got a mom. She gives us hugs and cookies. Anybody? It's a huge ministry. Sometimes uh, some ladies in the church are always like, well, what can I do? 
Can you make cookies and give out hugs? It's a great ministry. Verse 14, uh, greet Asyncritus, Phlegion, Phlegon. Sounds like something's caught in your throat, poor guy. Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympias, and all the saints with them. Verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, Sostipater, my relatives. I, Tertius, because Paul talks to this guy, says, he is, who, wrote this, who wrote down this letter, so Paul speaks it, Tertius is writing it down. What's the guy's big ministry? He can write. Can you write? Wow! Look at that. Greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is a city's public works, director of public works, and our brother Cordus send you their greetings. So you got a public official and a guy who's hospitable. Anybody like to cook? Anybody? Okay. Now, anybody like to eat? Okay. Everybody said like to cook? She looked around all those hands. you got a huge ministry if you like to cook. That's amazing. See? Most single guys, they will eat food out of a box that they throw in a microwave, or they order it from a high school kid through a window. All right? That's, that's a practicing hospitality, huge ministry, foretaste of heaven where we get together and have a meal with each other. Ecclesiastes 10.9 says, A feast is made for laughter. A meal, laughter. That's a foretaste of the kingdom of God. If you are forgiven, you can have a levity of heart because all things are new. Sometimes it's so great to eat a meal with utensils that are not a spork. If you even know what a spork is. Open to Colossians chapter 4. While you do that, I'm going to read you Philippians chapter 2 as you're going there. So I don't want to keep you in here all day, but Philippians chapter, you go to Colossians 4, and I'll read Philippians 2, 19 and 20. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Now, that's an amazing statement. you got a guy named Timothy. I'm going to send him to you because he's the only one who cares. I would have sent two, but I only got one. I mean, Timothy cares. That's his ministry. He cares. He's the guy when someone's sent alone, Timothy walks up and says, Hi, I'm Timothy. He pays attention to other people. There are a lot of people on this planet. And we get irritated because we think everybody offends us. How dare they sin against me by not using their blinker? That kind of thing. Next time you ask somebody how they're doing, really ask them how they're doing. Really mean it. Be like, seriously, does your life suck or is it pretty good? Ask them the question. I have become much more aware in my life of people who work in customer service because customer service is like a title that says, beat me up, it's what I'm here for. You really got to think, am I treating people with peace, love, faith, and grace? That's part of ministry, paying attention and caring. Philippians 2.25, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. At one point, the Philippian church knows Paul is in trouble, so they send this guy with a ton of cash to help him out. There's no ATM machines. There's no wire transfers at that point. You know, so, so you got this people, and you gave money to this guy to go to Paul. How many people do you know you would trust with a boatload of cash? What's this guy's ministry? You can trust him. I, I wouldn't trust me with a boatload of cash. I might just rip off myself. You know? And the thing is, that this guy's going to Paul. He gets sick on the way, and he still makes it. Amazing. Colossians 4, verse 7. Here he comes again. Tychicus, there he is, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming to you with Onesimus, who is a former slave, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. So he's carrying the scrolls, and what's their big ministry when they get there? They can talk. Can you talk? 
Yes, you can talk. That means you can be a greeter. It means you can go find somebody sitting in the room that looks and be like, hey, how you doing? You can talk. What a ministry. You can talk. Verse 10. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you can all be involved. My fellow prisoner Arist- Aristocrus, Aristocrus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark. That's a much easier name to pronounce. The son of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, and I'm sure you got the nickname because Jesus is a lot to live up to, also sends greetings. There are, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Some people are just a comfort. They come alongside you. How are you doing? Great ministry. Epaphras, who is one of you and the servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. What does this guy do? He prays. He prays. That's his ministry. It's a huge ministry. Sometimes we can't help or fix something. And what can you do? You can pray. Big ministry. Verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Uh, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nymphia and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it, see that it is also read in the church at Laodicea and in turn read, read the letter from Laodicea. Then I love this, verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. It's like you started strong, don't peter at the end, get the job done. See it through. Don't just serve the Lord, do it till the job's done. And poor Archippus sits in Scripture for the rest of eternity as a slacker. It's poor guy, poor guy. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4.19, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Omnisiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Tromephus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. In Titus 3.12, it says, As soon as I send uh, Artemis and, and Tychicus, dudes everywhere, yeah, woo, we love Tychicus now, what a great guy, So you do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter here, do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, see that they have everything they need. In the book of Philemon, in Philemon 1, it says, To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus and our fellow soldier in the church that meets in their home. In verse 23, it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings as do Mark, Aristarchus, again, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. On and on and on throughout scriptures in the New Testament, it talks about all these people that God has changed with this peace, love, faith, and grace. And it's not an exhaustive list, but you get the point, right? Yes? The gospel changes people. You hear about the doctor and the lawyer and the public works guy and and the people that walk, Tychicus and Philemon, and and Onesimus, the slave, and the young, and old, and rich, and poor, and slave, and free. And we all have purpose because we are in the kingdom of God. Peace, love, faith, grace. And unlike Archippus, you should see it through till the end. Poor guy. (laughs) And God's kingdom character is one of the most important things. And I think for Paul, these are not just his concluding remarks. I think this is Paul's loud shout out that says, the gospel changes people. God has come to change us, to make us new, to give us life, and to give us purpose and and hope. And we are people just like the people in Scripture that worship the same God who is doing a great work in us with peace, love, faith, and grace. 
I think the greatest argument for God is the grace and the lives of the people He has touched. And I could go through and have you people, guys, raise your hands. Has God changed you? Has God done something with His peace, love, faith, and grace? You could all start raising your hands. And then I could turn around and start picking out some of you people just saying, this is what you're doing now and you're doing now. Because God, after He does that, we start working and doing things for Him. Ephesians 2.10, good works that He called us to do. And when you start working for God, thank you. Thank you. I mean, on behalf of him, I will tell you, thanks. It's great that we do it because of his peace, love, faith, and grace. We are like beat-up instruments that don't make very good music, and then God restores us. So we know it's the conductor or the composer who gets the credit and not the messed-up instrument. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Simply being who God calls you to be. You don't have to be Paul. Be a Tychicus. Do something little. You have no idea what God is going to do in you and with the works that you offer back up to Him. And I would say that this is, this is a beautiful shout-out because when you talk to people, they need to understand the gospel has changed you. The gospel can change people. Ephesians is a great book. Hope you guys have fun with it. Uh, we invite you guys to communion this morning. Uh, communion is where we take that crack and we break it like Christ's body has been broken for us. We dip it in the wine of the grape juice. We remember Christ's blood that has been shed to us so that we can be a people of peace, love, faith, and grace. Uh, all because of what he's done. We're going to worship God through song. The band's going to come up. And as they do, we invite you guys to sing some of these songs with them. But before you take communion, just take a second and just say, God, thank you for this peace, love, faith, and grace that you have given to me. Thank you. Uh, we're going to worship God I'll get your way. through prayer. There will be some deacons and elders uh, in the back of the hallway. And, and if peace, love, faith, and grace is not something that you have experienced in your life, you should go pray with them because they'd love to introduce you to Christ because that is where it all begins. I mean, this, this is what everything we do is about. It's about God's glory and not our own. It's about lifting Him up so He is glorified because when He is lifted up, He'll draw all people to Him. So we lift Him up. We're going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the sidewall and on the back, and we give because God gave so much to us, and giving is part of our worship, so we give. Simple. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Uh, and we're going to worship God through fellowship. There's food and stuff in the back. Grab some food, get some coffee, wake up a little bit, you know, meet some other people. And maybe after this is over, you know, you could walk somewhere with somebody. Maybe you could talk to somebody. Maybe you end up in jail. I don't know. <laughs> but wherever you are, peace, love, faith, and grace. Peace, love, faith. Say it with peace, love, faith, and grace. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Excellent. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I do ask that we would be a people of this peace, love, faith, and grace. That we would uh, realize that you are the one who holds on to us. God, we ask that we would be uh, these people who live Ephesians 2.10, who live the life of good works that you call us to, that we would become your poem, your workmanship, and that people would see the beauty that you are creating by changing us daily into the people you call us to be. Have our lives, the things that come out of our mouths, the things that we do with our hands, and even the attitudes of our hearts where nobody sees, be things that honor you. This is all for your glory. You save us and change us and make us new for your glory. The peace, love, faith, and grace is all 
for your glory. And yet, when you get glory, you give your people such joy. So have us be a people who give you glory and experience the joy that you intend for us. Have us live as those who realize every moment of our life is a holy moment. Amen.